Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Hey, I'm so grateful that you're here because we are talking about growth plan, and here's what we know. At the beginning of the year, most people are beginning to be triggered that thing in all of us that God has planted on our hearts to improve our lives, and these are great things, but the most important area, the area that matters most where we want to grow is our faith. And why do you say that, Mark? How do you know that's the area that matters most? Because I believe without any doubt in every fiber of my being, I believe that every person in this room, more than anything else in the world, you want to know God more. Even if you aren't yet a Jesus follower and you're here today and you're just kind of checking things out, I believe the reason you're here is because God has placed in your heart a desire to know Him more. And because that's all of our greatest desire, this is really important to know, Faith is at the center of a relationship with God. This is the core of what we desire most from the relationship that we desire the most is this faith or this confidence or this trust in God. And so that's what we're talking about in this series is, well, how do you grow your faith? How can we get to the place where we can have greater faith? And what we've said last week is we don't want to just have a church where a bunch of people know the Bible really well. We want to have a group of people here at a church who have a living active, death-defying, no matter what, against all odds kind of faith. People who are growing in their trust of God, in their faith in God. See, this is what's really interesting. God is continually inviting us to trust Him more. He doesn't just want us to know facts about Him. He wants us to trust Him, to take steps that we trust him more and if you're like me I want to trust him I just want that to be the easy part I want to enjoy the benefit of trusting him and yet there's this exercise that's happening in all of us to grow in our trust with God the relationship that we desire the most why is this so important because at the end of the day Hebrews eleven six 6 reminds us without faith it is say it with me impossible to please God this is the relationship. This is what God is constantly inviting us into. This is the great call of human beings to trust Him more. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. This is our call. This is the great desire that we've been invited into. Now, here's the million dollar question So, then, how do I do that? Is there a book we can pass out? Is there a class that we can take? Is there information I need to know? How do I grow my faith? We want this to be super practical. And last week, we looked at the first thing, and that's what we're doing in this series. There are five things that grow your faith. And last week, we looked at the first one. And if you missed it, here's a quick review. The first one is personal ministry. This is where you go from being a consumer to being a contributor. This is where you've heard so many people who've grown their faith, and they say, you know what? You know what my faith grew? My faith grew when I went on that short-term mission trip. Or my faith grew when I served in students or served in children or guest information or when I began to serve as a group leader. That's when my faith took off. You hear this over and over again because there's something about going from getting something from my faith to giving something to others' faith. Where we join a volunteer team, where we join a service team, there's something profound that begins to spark new growth in our hearts and in our lives when we join a service team. And I'm here to tell you, there is no better time to join a service team than now. Number one, because it'll grow your faith. But number two, as I announced last week, 
We are about to establish and launch a second campus at Rock Hill High School, and it's one of those things that we are inviting people to come and be a part of, and we need a whole bunch of volunteers to help make it happen. So how great is that? Your faith gets to grow, and we get to share Jesus with a whole bunch more people. And so we're going to launch this campus on Easter Sunday, April the 9th. And let me give you a brief review if you missed it last week. If you want to get the entire announcement, you can just go to our website or go to our podcast and get the full announcement. But Rock Hill High School is located on the intersection of 380 and Coit. This intersection is a great intersection because it's in a growing area primarily with young families. You say, why is that important? Because we know that most people come to Jesus before the age of 30. 95% of people who give their life to Jesus do it before the age of 30. And when you look at this map, what we learned through... Demographic studies is every mile you go north of our current location, the demographic gets younger and there are fewer churches. And so as God is opening the door for this second campus, I believe we not only have an opportunity, we have an obligation to take Jesus to these younger demographics where there are fewer churches because that's when most people make their decision to follow him. And so with that, with that being said, all this sounds good, but as of October, despite the fact that two years ago we knew God was leading us to establish a second campus, we still weren't establishing a second campus because we had three huge hurdles. And I shared them with you last week. We had the facility. The problem with the facility was we didn't have one. That's a problem. The second one is finances. In order to launch a campus that has startup costs and two years' worth of initial expenses for ministry and, uh, and, and rental property, it's around $650,000. And the third hurdle was volunteers. We needed about 150 people to help make this thing happen and so we could do it in a sustainable way. Truth is, though, last October, despite all these things, these were still the hurdles that we were facing. And I shared with you last week that one of the things that that I began to recognize was we as a church needed to pray about this. So as a staff, we were praying about this. And at Gather, it's our prayer event. We began to all pray about the future of LifePoint together. And I believe God heard our prayers. And I'll never forget, I've got it in my journal, the day in October whenever I was praying. And it was a morning, and I'm doing my quiet time, and I really was frustrated because I was staring at these three hurdles, and I didn't know how God was going to open the door. And I knew I couldn't open the door. And I begin to study another frustrated leader in Scripture. If you don't know his story, his name is Moses. And Moses was a person who had these great big hurdles, and all he had done was what God had asked him to do. And life got immediately worse. He was told by God to go to Egypt and rescue the Israelites and come out and free them. And as immediately when he identified himself, this is what God has called me to do, guess what? Their life got worse. And guess what? They no longer liked Moses. And Moses is like, wait a minute, I did what God told you, I did what you told me to do, and now not only is it not happening, these people don't like me. I have a problem with you, God, this doesn't make any sense, where are you, why would you do this? And I'm sitting there reading that that morning going, tell him, Moses, tell him. And then I turn the page to Exodus chapter 6 and verse 1, and God speaks up in this passage that still moves me every time I read it. And the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do. When the creator of the universe says, watch this. When the creator of the universe who sits on the throne says, get ready for fireworks, I just felt like a gasp. Moses must have thought, God, it's not on my shoulders, it's yours. He said, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. He says, not because of anything you can do, Moses, but because of my mighty hand. 
he will let them go. He says, because of my mighty hand, nothing you're going to do, Moses. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. He will actually do what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to have him do it. Exodus 6.1. Look, as we go through this series, I'm inviting you to consider memorizing this passage. You know why? Because I know there are going to be times in your life where you're facing a wall and you don't know how to get through it and there are hurdles that you can't overcome. And this verse will mean something to you where you can go, God, I need you to do this. And you can call back to this verse now you will see what I will do. So would you just say this verse out loud with me? Exodus 6.1, say it with me. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. Exodus 6.1. I'm telling you, church, that, that morning as I was reading that, I just felt such a strong confidence. I felt like I was borrowing from something God said to Moses, and I was finding strength from it personally, so I wrote it down in my journal, and then I plugged it into my phone uh, notes app, and that morning I went to work, and guess what? We were still facing these three hurdles, and we still didn't have a facility, the finances, or the volunteers. But that phrase, now you will see what I will do, just kept resonating in my heart. And that day, after we had all been praying at Gather, after we had been praying as a staff, and after I had seen this passage, that day we went to work, and out of nowhere, after two years of searching, suddenly a facility became available here at Rock Hill High School. Out of nowhere, in the exact area we had been desiring to go. I don't think that's a coincidence. And then about a week later, Pastor Dennis called me, and he said, Mark, I know that we have the financial hurdle, and I just wanted to let you know that today, an unexpected donation came in. The exact amount needed for the two-year ministry of the new campus, it's the largest single donation we've ever received in the history of our church, came in that day. Can you believe, isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. See, some of you haven't heard that and you were excited and some of you had heard that and you're already over it. I'm telling you, we can't get over this. This is God moving, amen? And when he shows us his mighty hand, we gotta keep bragging on what he's doing. We gotta keep letting our faith be built up and say, God, we praise you for what you're doing. And I remember hearing the amount come in, I'm thinking, God, only you could do this. We aren't smart enough to figure this out. This is your doing. And then there's the third hurdle and this is where you come in. The third hurdle is volunteers. And I still believe God is going to do this through you. And so I want to give you an update because we shared this last week. We said, hey, look, we need 150 people to volunteer at the Rock Hill campus in order to make the campus happen. And one of the realities is we said, hey, we'll give you till the end of the month. So, so you know, we know that, that most of us are going to think about it, pray about it, talk with other family members and kind of make that decision. But let me give you an update on where the need is. We needed this many people for guest services, children, students, tech and worship teams, set up, tear down. And I know what some of you are doing. You're adding up to see if it equals 150. It does, okay? We'll just save you that math problem because I know how some of our minds work. Let me just pause, though, real quick and talk about Set Up Teardown because Set Up Teardown is one of those things we talked about last week, and I said, look, if you want to be a real silent hero, this is the way to do it because this, none of this happens without this in a, in a temporary camp. This is such a critical area. Pastor Isaac's leading. It's great. And all the servants were saying, look, this is the place to go and make a massive difference. Get there an hour early, set up the whole thing. The cool thing is within one week, we already have over half the people who've signed up. Yeah, you can. That's, that's amazing. <clears throat> But if we can go back to that previous slide, the cool thing is over, uh, 
we have over half the people that sign up. Here's the tough thing. Or not tough, that's not the right word. Here's the cool thing. Most of them are women. And here's why, yeah, you can clap, Ginger. I saw you, yeah, yeah. Now, because I'm married to one of those women, I know they will work circles around all the men and we're covered, right? But I'm going to push you men a little bit here. Because when we had a need, I'm just going to tell you, I know you're probably thinking about it and you're ready to jump in. But let me encourage you to consider not just being a hero at the career, but be a hero at the church. Not to just serve in the work, but to serve in the kingdom. Because this is where we want our legacy to be. So men, don't be outdone. Step up. This is an opportunity. This is an area that we need you, okay? Are we good? All right. All right, so having said all that, uh, Maria, you were ahead of me. Thank you so much. Week one, we already have 43 people in the first week who have indicated they're interested in serving at one of the areas of Rock Hill, which is great because we wanted to give you to the end of the month. In the first week, we're off to a great start and I'm very encouraged. In fact, let me just tell you some of the things that have happened that I'm so encouraged about. Several people who don't serve anywhere currently came up to me after the service Sunday and said, I want to start. This is my time. I see God leading me to serve. I, you know what I wanted to say to them? Your faith's going to grow. This is how God grows our faith. When you do, I'm so excited for you because of what God's going to do in your life. But thank you for stepping up when you see the opportunity. And then we also had several people who came up to me last week. This is so cool who just started attending LifePoint and said, I'm in. I want to start doing this. I'm going to help serve, and I'm going to be part of this new campus. And then here's the part that's... There's a couple of families who just gave their life to Jesus. They're just now in church, and they came up afterwards and said, look, I don't know where you need me, but plug me in wherever you need me. I want to be part of this. I just want to say, your faith is going to grow. This is so exciting to see. So many of the people on this list didn't even recognize their names. There's so many new people who are joining in and being part of this. We want to say, welcome, thank you. Keep it up. We're excited, and we're excited that your faith is going to grow. Now, we're going to get the message started here in just a second, but can we just pause, and can we just praise God for all he's doing? Amen. Amen. Well, last week we focused on the very first step, and that is your faith will grow through personal ministry. And today, and I'm going to move fast. I know some of you are worried. Well, he's just getting started. We're going to get there. The second way that your faith is going to grow, here it is, through a providential relationship. You don't talk to people who've grown in their faith very, very, uh, very long before they reference a relationship of somebody that God has used to grow their faith. This is just the way, for whatever reason, God tends to grow us. He increases our faith through the influence of other people in our life. And if you're new, and maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus yet, the odds are you're probably here because somebody invited you, or somebody in your past influenced you. This is the way God uses providential relationships in all of our lives to influence our faith. And all of us can identify people in our past who have influenced our faith. I want to share one guy that's influenced my faith. His name is Jack Monroe. 
Jack is a great guy. I've known him for about 11 years now. And when I originally moved to Ventura, I have friends from Ventura today that know Jack very well. That's so awesome. Steve and, and Pam. So Jack is um, an amazing guy. When I, when I show up at Ventura, he's my boss. I don't, I don't know him. I, I don't know anything about him. And we begin a relationship. Here's how God works. One of the ways God used Jack in my life to grow my faith was I had a broken relationship from my past that hurt me and was still, I was still carrying the weight of it. Jack just happened to specialize in reconciliation. He had had many years of training and had really, God had just given him a heart for that. He had worked through a lot of people. And so early on, we began to talk and he began to invite me in. And before long, he walked me and this other person through a six-month process of reconciliation. I didn't even know... God providentially, meaning he in advance knew there was something I would need that I didn't know I would need. It was providential. God used Jack for that. In the same way, I showed up and, and I had a tendency to be a little more critical of other people or maybe judgmental of other people and even critical and judgmental of myself. And over the years, working with Jack on a regular basis, he began to show me grace over shame and grace over judgment. And I began to want to follow his lead and his relationship with God began to influence and encourage my relationship with God. And then over the years, I had some really big uh, ministry or career decisions to make. And Jack was so great at helping me navigate those and say, nope, that's not going to make sense where God's wired you or calling you. Nope, that one definitely makes sense. And when the time came, he was right there in my corner all the way. I never knew I would need any of this. In fact, you could literally say before I went to Ventura, I didn't know Jack. I didn't know I needed Jack, but God knew I did, and it was a providential relationship, fate directed by God to bring him into my life for the perfect time, and I bet you have someone like that in your life. When you look back, you go, you know what, there may have been a parent, may have been a grandparent, may have been a co-worker, may have been somebody in your small group, but there's just some people that you can look back on and go, man, that mentor, that person, those people, they just really were the right place, right time. I'm so grateful for their influence in my life. We can identify people in our past, and usually it's not that hard to do. Now, here's another thing, though. Not only that, but we also believe that we should influence others' faith. If you're new here and you think, well, that seems a little arrogant, just know the reason that we believe that is because Jesus is making our life so much better. He's given us so much purpose. And we want other people to experience the love of God and the relationship with God that we're learning and growing in. And so we know we're to encourage other people. We know we want to influence other people to know him more. We talked about that last week. That's why we're talking about volunteers. This is where we get to pour our faith out on other people. But here's the catch. Despite these two things being true, here's where we seem to struggle. We underestimate how much we need others to influence our faith today. I still need others to influence my faith. You still need others to influence your faith. I got to tell you, a few years ago, I was trying to start a men's mentoring uh, ministry. And a whole bunch of men decided, man, that sounds great. I, I'm going to be part of that. And so I invited them to come to this launch of this brand new thing, this men's mentoring ministry. And, and there were about 50 men that showed up, different ages. And ladies, wouldn't you know it? Every man that showed up considered themselves to be a mentor, an expert 
not in need of being mentored. I said, well, this isn't how this works. Like, I need some people to be mentored. No, I got it. I'll mentor. Well, you're seven years old. I mean, don't we need somebody that's a little further down the road, right? But everybody's like, no, I got it. My wife told me I would be an amazing mentor. Every one of them were experts. None of them thought they needed You know why? Because I think there's something in most of us that we want to influence others, but we're slow to embrace the input from others. And this is where God puts providential relationships into our life. So here's the question. Can we grow without others' influence? Can we grow to our fullest potential without others' influence? Because it's easy to say, no, no, I'm mature enough. I know how to read the Bible. I know how to serve. I know how to pray. I know how to do those things. I think I'm good. And that's why I want you to see what we're going to look at this passage today. From the Apostle Paul, some would argue one of the greatest Christians of all time. He addresses this question specifically, and I want you to see it. It's found in Romans chapter 1 and verse 7. Romans chapter 1 and verse 7. I want you to see what he has to say because it might be a little bit surprising. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. If you don't have any Bibles, there's one there in the pew. You can turn it to page 911, and we would love for you to join along with us. <clears throat> Look what Paul says. He says, to all in Rome, he's not in Rome, he's writing to the Christians who are in Rome, who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what's fascinating. Paul is writing to these people in Rome, but they aren't strangers. They aren't like a church he's heard about. These are people he knew personally, faces he envisioned, because later in Romans 16, he lists several of them by name. These are people he's probably spent weeks, months, maybe even years with when he was on his missionary journeys, and they've often, they've, uh, many of them moved now to Rome. And when they've moved to Rome, he's now specifically talking to friends that he knows and he loves. And look what he says to them in verse 8. First, he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Why? Here it is. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. What a great legacy. Can you imagine if people said, you know what? Your faith is being reported to other people. are talking about your faith. This was the reality with these first century Christians. And why was that a big deal? Because back in the first century, when the headquarter of the Roman Empire, it was very difficult to be public Christian, because if your ultimate allegiance wasn't to Caesar or to, uh, to, the, to the emperor, the reality was you would not only be opposed, often you would be persecuted. And these Christians who had moved to Rome and are going public with their faith are probably experiencing this opposition and persecution. And Paul is saying, we're hearing about your faith and it's encouraging the rest of us. It's a really big deal. And Paul is being inspired by it. Now watch his response in verse 9 and 10. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray now at last by God's will the way may be open for me to come to you. I love that. Paul, you will not follow Paul's story very long before it's constantly bathed in prayer. Now, I don't think it's an accident that we're seeing God do what he's doing after we've begun to emphasize prayer. I don't think there's anything significant that's ever done in the kingdom of God that's not fully bathed in prayer, fully supported and uh, pre, uh, previewed through prayer. This is how the supernatural happens. We submit to God through prayer, and then now you will see what he will do. 
Now look at verse 11 and 12, and here's where he gets to the crux of the matter. He says, I long to see you. Why? So that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be, and read the rest with me, mutually encouraged by each other's faith. We want to be mutually See, Paul is saying, I'm not wanting to come here to influence your faith or for you to just influence my faith. I want us to mutually encourage each other's faith. Now think about how big a deal that is because he didn't think their faith was better than his or his faith was better than theirs. Think of how big of a deal this is when you think of the... If you think of the bio of the Apostle Paul, right? You look at his resume when it comes to faith, it's kind of impressive, right? He wrote 13 out of the 27 New Testament books. He's the one who was the primary evangelist who took the gospel to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. He's the one who has endured tremendous persecution. And some people would say outside of Jesus, he not only was a leader of the early church, but he would be the most important figure in early Christianity, With all those credentials, Paul, do you really need the influence of other people's faith? And Paul says, yes. I want to come here so that we can mutually encourage each other's faith. I need your input as much as I want to give you input. And yet, here we are in 2022, and where most of us land, as 2020, I said 2022, it's a new year, isn't it? I could see the twitch some of you had. 2023, here's where we land. We acknowledge people in our past influenced our faith. Got that. We even believe that we need to influence other people's faith. Got that. But we still underestimate how much we need to be influenced by other people's faith. I don't know if it's pride, if it's fear, but there is a hesitation on most of our parts to believe that we continue to need this. And yet we see, some would argue, the greatest Christian of all time say, I need this. I still need this. I interacted in person with God the Son, and yet I need this. There's something about our horizontal relationships directly impact our vertical relationship with God himself. And so, with all that said, how do providential relationships play into our faith? Here's how they influence us. Two ways. Number one, we see God in others. And sometimes we even hear from God in others. I don't know how many times I've been in a small group throughout the years where we'll show up, and I don't know about you, but, but I often compare a small group to a gym. I've never looked forward to going to the gym, but I'm always glad I went. I think the small group is the exact same way. I don't know how many times where it's like 30 minutes till, and I'm like, oh, I hope they call and cancel, right? And then they don't. And then you show up, and you're happy to see these people, and then all of a sudden people begin to share what's going on in their life, and you begin to open the Bible, and you begin to talk, and all of a sudden God just does something in your heart, and you walk away thinking, how could I have gotten by without that? God, thank you for the gift This is exactly what I needed. And sometimes my faith can be dry. My faith, God can feel distant. And I show up in a group and all of a sudden, God's doing something in your life. And all of a sudden, there's that spark over time that I begin to have built into a flame in my life. And my faith grows because of what you're seeing God do. And he speaks through you. This is the mutual encouragement that we are all benefiting from when we embrace the providential relationships, when we position ourselves to let the Spirit do what only the Spirit can do through these relationships. Bottom line is, my faith grows when I'm 
influenced by the faith of others. We need each other. This is how we've been designed. This is a beautiful design. It's a paradox because we hurt each other, and yet we heal each other, and we grow each other. It's a beautiful, messy way that your faith will grow when you take that step. Last Sunday after gather, we had a prayer event here last Sunday, and it was so well attended, it was so powerful. After the prayer event, a handful of us went over to McAllister's for dinner, and as we walked in, one of our small groups was in there having dinner. In fact, this is their picture of this particular small group. <clears throat> They're enjoying a meal together, so I pull up my phone and I, and, I, and I take this picture. And later I learned that they call themselves the Redwood Group from the idea of the redwood trees, which grow tall not because they have such a deep root structure, but because the roots tangle with each other, supporting each other, allowing it to grow big and strong. And redwoods don't grow alone. They usually grow in a cluster so that they can support each other. And one of the people in this group, Dan Smith, as we were talking, he shared, he said, I work for Southwest Airlines, and we had our big meltdown over the holidays. And he said, I got pulled off of my vacation and had to go back to work, working very long days for many days in a row. And although many people were calling or texting me, asking me what in the world was happening and why, several members of his small group here reached out to ask how I was doing, to see if I needed anything. And it was very encouraging to know that people had my back and they were concerned about me. This is one of the realities of a small group. We are mutually encouraging each other. And today, I'm just going to give you a heads up. If you haven't figured it out already, I'm going to invite you to join a small group this year. I'm going to invite you to take that step. And I love what Helene, who's also in this group, said. She goes, I'm certain that anytime we throw out a prayer request to one another through a text or email, that everyone drops what they're doing and they immediately begin to pray. We're not perfect by any means, but we're honest with one another. And you may wonder if you take the step with a small group how you ended up with these particular people. But maybe you even even think you don't have anything in common. But God has a way for his reasons to put you together. And after a while, you'll see the genius behind the relationships. That is a providential relationship. And it's how God grows our faith. So let me just warn you again, this is the way we're going to be tempted to think. We're all going to go, yeah, well, I acknowledge people in my past. They'll grow, they've grown my faith. I even believe I should influence other people's faith, but I still underestimate the value of people influencing my faith today. The truth is, Paul, not only Paul, think of the Trinity. Think of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. From the beginning of time, they've been in community with one another, encouraging one another. There's a display from the Trinity itself of the value of mutually encouraging each other. Think of Jesus when he was here on earth, when he gathered the 12 disciples. He could have just done everything on his own, but instead he gathered them together. Why? Because there's the beautiful... Um, uh, benefit of mutually encouraging one another. We see this all throughout the scriptures. Paul himself says, this is how we grow. My faith grows when I'm influenced by the faith of others. So here's a real personal question. How will you grow this year? How will your faith grow through a providential relationship? Are you positioning yourself for God to reveal those relationships in your life? so that your faith can be mutually encouraged and grow.
This is what God wants, I believe, for each and every one of us. So today, the good news is we are officially opening life groups. Sunday's at 9 a.m. This is a spring semester, and so some of you went and did a little briefing today, but they really kick off week one next week, so it's the perfect time to join here the categories of folks. If you're wondering what experienced is, talk with PG. Uh, We've often said 50 plus, but I bet PG you would just say yes to whoever asked, wouldn't you? There you go. So we've got all these great groups. We'd invite you to come and be part of them. You can get more information on each one of these groups. And here's what we're saying to you. If you are interested, just fill out this QR code. Just click this QR code. Let us know, and you'll see the groups listed there, which one you are interested in getting more information on. We have home groups as well as these life groups that meet on Sunday mornings. Child care is provided. They meet at 9 o'clock each and every Sunday beginning next week. So it's a great time for you to jump in. Having said all of that, let me remind you that we are also asking you to complete our survey. And if you haven't done that already, even if you already serve, you've been serving in a place and you're like, you know, I'm good. I got this place. I know this is where God has called me to serve. We still want to hear from you. Even if you're already serving, we want to hear from 100% of you, and here's why. We want to know which campus you're going to commit to to help reach that community for Christ. And which area are you most interested in serving? You don't have to commit, you just have to let us know so that we can plan well for both campuses. So here's what I would ask you to do. I would ask you to go ahead and fill out that survey. You say, you know what, I I think you kind of know who I am and what I'm doing. Assume we don't so we can have 100% participation. And if you say, well, I hope my neighbor does that. Nope, you be the one to lead the way and then They'll follow you, but we want everybody to participate so that we can make sure that we're completely ready to go. My faith grows when I'm influenced by the faith of others. We grow through personal ministry, but we also grow through a providential relationship. I'm so excited about next week, and here's why. I hope you'll come back for it. Because the question becomes, yeah, but how does my faith grow when life knocks me off my feet and all of a sudden the circumstances are so difficult I can't even see my way up how does my faith grow then when life gets that hard and if that's you or someone you know I hope you'll come back next week because that's exactly what we're going to talk about when circumstances overwhelm us how does my faith grow then part three of the growth plan next week I hope you'll join us for that would you join me in prayer this morning God, I thank you so much for what you're doing. Clearly, you are moving amongst us, and God, I pray that we would never take that lightly, that when you move, that we would just be so excited to just praise you, that we want to be so excited, God, that you are moving amongst us, and we know there are times when you're constantly moving and we are completely unaware, but when you decide to break through our reality and reveal your hand, God, we just want to say thank you. We want to give you praise for who you are and what you are doing. Father, we recognize you're on your throne today. And Lord, I know in this room there are people who are here who bring in heartache, who bring in pain, who bring in grief, who bring in doubt, who bring in struggles with whatever area of their life, if it's their health or their finances or relationships or dreams. God, you know each and every situation in this place. And at the end of the day, our greatest desire is to know you more. We long for you, God, above everything and everyone. So, Father, I pray that our faith will grow in you this year, that our trust will increase, that our confidence will continue to grow. God, may we see you and not rely on what we know and what we can see and what we can hear, but instead to 
fully lean into who you are, knowing that your providential hand is trustworthy. You've gotten us here. You'll get us there. God, may we trust you with an open hand. Trust your heart, God, above all. We love you. We trust you. And we want to trust you more. We thank you for the gift of providential relationships. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and the sacrifice he displayed for us on the cross. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.